IU opens the season 1-0 with a win over Illinois, and as only the Hoosiers can do, gave us a mix of frustration, optimism, and happiness all mixed into one. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? It is Monday, September 5th. This is Locked on Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Hope you guys are having a terrific Labor Day if you're listening to us on Monday. Uh, if you're listening to us on Tuesday, I hope you had a terrific Labor Day. It was all made a lot more enjoyable, a lot more festive by Indiana opening the weekend with a 23-20 to victory. I will toot my own horn and say that is the exact score that I predicted on Friday's episode. It did not remotely play out in the way that I thought it would uh, throughout the contest, though. A lot to talk about from it. Our format for these recap episodes, for those that were not with us last season, uh, we'll do three takeaways, three key plays, three key players for our three segments. So first takeaway is just how big of a mental win this is for Indiana, for the program, for Tom Allen. You could you could feel it, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody watching this that's an IU football fan felt a sense of relief and excitement. It, it shed a lot of the baggage from last season. Um, it was it was hard to just forget about last season coming into this year. And I, I know there was a lot of turnover and um, there aren't a lot of people left within the program that experienced the 2-10 and 10 season, but those that were – that weighed on him, and I think you could tell that by the way Tom Allen and the team celebrated after the game, the way they rushed the field with excitement. It looked like that 2020 game against Penn State, the COVID year where obviously IU wins on the the walk-off reach by Michael Penix. Um, that's, that reaction looked very similar to Friday's reaction against Illinois. The magnitude of the win wasn't the same. Beating a top 10 Penn State and beating an Illinois team that is going to be fighting for bowl eligibility, those don't, those aren't the same. But mentally and what it meant for the program, I think there are some similarities there. There was an emotional release, it felt like, um, because I'm sure Tom Allen even started to question himself after how poorly things went last year. It's hard to just shed that. It's hard to just forget about that. Um, and it, it shakes some of your beliefs, whether you think that they're successful or not. So it wasn't pretty, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but this is how you start rebuilding that momentum, getting wins like this, grinding out results, winning games where you may not have been the better team. That was all, that was all there, and... Indiana comes away with a huge win. They don't normally do that. I spent the whole final drive, uh, which is our second point, thinking, how is I going to screw this up? I, I spent most of the drive thinking the interception's coming. Then they got to the goal line, and I thought, well, I haven't watched Indiana lose on a goal line stand before. Uh, and then even after they scored, I thought, mm, 20 seconds is a lot for Indiana football. They they saw it out, and that final drive um, – 
Connor Beck, Cam Camper, DJ Matthews all stepped up massively. Um, just huge performances in various ways from all three. Cam Camper and DJ, I mean, we're going to talk about all three later on in the show. Um, all three had big games as a whole, but you could tell who Bazak had trust in when the game mattered because he was looking for DJ Matthews and Cam Camper repeatedly uh, with the game on the line, needing to piece together a drive that IU did not have uh, for during the whole game, let alone that second half. The stat kept flashing up. IU had more yards in that drive than they had the whole second half. Uh, so they had struggled, but when it mattered, it helped that Illinois went to a prevent defense, never go to a prevent defense. It doesn't work. Um, it helped. They went to a prevent defense, but um, Camper, Matthews, Bazak were all on the same pl- same page, which is impressive considering none of the three played with each other last season. So that is some, some optimism to look forward to. And I, I've had this discussion with uh, Jared, who's on the podcast before. He'll be on later this week. How many QBs in recent IU history could have had that drive in that scenario uh, needing a, a touchdown? Who would you believed could actually do that drive? Michael Penix is one. He did it against Penn state in 2020, the game we mentioned, he tied the game with a two point conversion at the end of regulation. Peyton Ramsey had a kind of variation of that. I know specifically in overtime against Purdue in 2019, uh, it wasn't a 75-yard drive, but I believe he could have done that drive. And then you're looking at maybe Nate Sudfeld. He didn't have anything like that, but uh, I believe he had the talent and the ability to do that. Outside of that, that's it. And you're throwing Connor Bazak into that mix now after that. A thoroughly impressive drive. Even if he struggled, the offense struggled throughout the night. Uh, they absolutely put it together when they had to, when there was no other choice. They put it together and put together one of the biggest drives IU has had in the last couple seasons, probably since that Penn State game. If you're talking just singular drives, um, IU hasn't had that since that that Penn State game to open 2020. So there's been a lot of time uh, between those two games that IU has struggled. Wasn't the case on that specific drive on Friday. Now, the last takeaway is that they did struggle through pretty much the rest of the game. There is a lot to improve upon. Uh, you can pick your choice. I, I think overall, IU was probably not the better team on Friday. Uh, you can look, obviously, at the yardage. Illinois outgained them by almost 100 yards. Um, it was turnovers that did in the Illini. Now, to that point, that is what Tom Allen's defense excels at. And when it's at its best, it's getting takeaways. It's something we talked about they weren't doing last season and something we talked about they needed to do during – uh, media day and fall camp and the build up to this season. Uh, Illinois loses three fumbles, throws an interception. Uh, the Hoosiers got the takeaways. There was another fumble late in the game. Chase Brown, uh, I believe it was Taiwan Mullen who knocked it loose. Hoosiers didn't recover it. They they jumped past the ball basically when trying to dogpile on it. But IU was creating the takeaways, creating the opportunities, getting the ball on the ground, taking it out of the air, swarming the ball. Um, so that was a positive, but outside of that, Illinois was a better team. Uh, they were running the ball effectively. They were passing the ball effectively when they didn't get super conservative late in the game, kind of questionably. Um, 
IU could not run the ball in any way, shape, or form. 26 rushes for 32 yards. The offense, lo- the offensive line looked really bad, like maybe marginally better than last year. They were able to pass protect a little bit. Even that didn't hold up all the time. Um, they could not open up holes to run at all, remotely at all. Uh, and then the defense, I mean, they still gave up. 448 yards they just made up for it by creating four turnovers there's a lot to build upon and a lot they need to improve upon the good news it's a lot easier and a lot more fun to build on that after a win and it's going to be a lot easier with games against idaho and western kentucky now uh, after getting the first big 10 win since beating uh, wisconsin on the road in 2020 so you shed off a lot of that um the monkey on your back, so to speak, with this win. You have a couple weeks to steady the ship, figure some things out, get some things right before heading into Cincinnati uh, in about three weeks. But there's a lot to improve upon. There were still a lot of positives on Friday night. Let's look at the three plays that really kind of change the game in this one. Before we jump into that, though, Built Bar, uh, if you guys have not tried their puffs yet, you're really missing out. You're depriving yourself of, honestly, one of life's greatest joys, and that's not even in a hyperbole. Maybe a little bit. Uh, let me introduce you to your new favorite flavor. Built Bar has done it again with the cookie dough chunk puffs. Boy, light and chewy, real real cookie dough chunks. Of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They are my favorite now by far. Uh, they're just like your normal Built Bars, but they have cookie dough chunks on the top. Uh, So you get one in every bite. It is absolutely delicious. It's all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it is healthy for you because these cookie dough chunk puffs only have 170 calories and 15 grams of protein in them. Uh, They also are covered in that 100% real chocolate. So they're healthy. They're tasty. They're made with the collagen proteins that all built uh, bars and puffs are those absorb into your or your body absorbs them more efficiently. They provide tons of health benefits. So eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're gonna love the new cookie dough chunk puffs. Whether you need a snack for your workout, uh, whether it's a late night treat, or you just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar. They taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, the fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar by heading over to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED, excuse me, LOCKED ON15 is your promo code to get 15% off at built.com. Big thanks to you guys for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every single day. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube. I've mentioned it a couple times, trying to get us to 500 subscribers by the start of basketball season in November. We are rapidly growing over there, so make sure you guys head on over there and subscribe real quick. Shout out to Michael Penix. I don't know if you guys watched him on Saturday. I watched the first half. He looked <laughs> unreal. He looked every bit of 2020 Michael Penix. 26 of 39, 345 yards, four touchdowns. I tweeted it. Uh, he had more time to throw in the first two series for Washington than he did the entirety of the 2021 season. It hurt. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't ready to watch that. It hurt because he was slinging it around uh, with that huge arm and that precision that we saw at times during that 2020 season. 
I wish nothing but the best for him, and I hope IU and Washington meet in the Rose Bowl, and I can cry lots of tears during that game. Let's get back to this current IU team and the current IU quarterback, Connor Bazelak, uh, who is the highlight of the first play of the three biggest plays of Friday night. Bazelak to DJ Matthews for a 52-yard touchdown, 10 minutes, 43 seconds to go in that second quarter. Why is that one of the big plays? Because that play didn't exist last season. We talked about it coming into this game, into this week. We said IU needed explosive plays, somebody to take the top off the defense. I wondered if it would be uh, DJ Matthews. The way they were using him, it seemed there was some some more variety rather than straight lining him up in the slot. And that was what happened. They line him up uh, and let him... Try, let him try to take the top off the defense, and he did. Not only was it a great route, it was a great, great throw. I Again, not to belabor the point, I know Penix could make that throw, but the list of IU quarterbacks that could drop that throw in um, and did so successfully isn't a long list. You had somebody like Richard Lego that had the huge arm, but the accuracy wasn't there. Um, Peyton Ramsey didn't have the huge arm, but the accuracy was there. But... Uh, to see Bazelak's arm, that was the biggest takeaway. He made some big-time throws. There's still some some kinks to be worked out, and I thought a lot of the the issues with the, with the receiving game was just miscommunications of not having the time together. Uh, he still went 21, or excuse me, 28 to 52 uh, for 330 yards, so he still was efficient enough and again in the drive that mattered he was on the right page with everyone he made all the completions the only incompletion i believe he had was just throwing the ball away uh at the goal line so it's it's there you can see it's growing the communication with the receivers um but it's one of those things that's going to take time to develop so uh there were there were moments though on friday like that big touchdown to dj matthews um when when you have that in your offense again, not something I you had last season, keeps defenses honest, uh, keeps them on their toes, and it was it was a a sight to see because I missed watching an explosive play like that because I truly don't remember it happening last season. And maybe you guys can remind me in the comments on YouTube or, or something, tweet at us if you remember it. But truly, I don't I do not remember that happening last season. So uh, the next. Two plays, both came in the fourth quarter. There were a number of plays throughout this game you could highlight, uh, but this one of the many turnovers that IU forced, I thought this was the biggest one. Josh Sanguinetti's interception, uh, a little bit past the midway point of that fourth quarter. Illinois just got the ball back off a questionable punt. They got it right back at midfield. Um that was a drive that started with Chase Brown fumbling, uh, and they recovered it, but still a third down conversion by Tommy DeVito. He scrambled for 11 yards. It was He did that a number of times on the night. It was frustrating. It seemed like there was a little bit of momentum building for Illinois. Now, granted, their last two drives had finished in a fumble, and then that goal line stand uh, so they they didn't have a lot of overall momentum, but after their third down conversion like that, it feels like things are starting to sway. Uh, but IU 
stops Chase Brown behind the line of scrimmage, forced a second and long. He had a lot of time to throw. It was just a, if we're being honest, it was a pretty bad throw that Isaiah Williams timed his jump really badly on, uh, tipped the ball just enough and tipped it right to Josh Sanguinetti, who came up with the big interception. I use defense as been Ben don't break for quite a while. You would hope they'd get a little bit more dominant and, we're not going to talk a ton about the defense on this podcast. We'll save it for later in the week. But again, they answered the bell when they needed to. I think Illinois' play calling helped out a lot. But plays like this, right place, right time, a little bit of good fortune that IU didn't have last season. The ball bounces or is tipped directly to Sanguinetti. Now, granted, IU immediately fumbled the ball away, but um, Illinois was held to a field goal after that. But this drive felt like it could become something bigger. And the Hoosiers snuffed that out and, again, stopped the momentum. Illinois had absolutely nothing going offensively by the end of the night. It was a, it was wonderful to see. That was because Indiana started turning the ball over, or forcing turnovers, I should say, repeatedly. And this was the last of those. The last play, I tried to pick a play from that final drive. There's any number of them. I love the tempo of the offense, and it really made it feel a lot more familiar and comfortable when they actually had a two-minute drive because they played most of the game as if it was a two-minute drive. Um, So when it got into that situation, it didn't feel like things were rushed. It didn't feel like guys were playing out of control at all. And I think the best sign of that was once Indiana got down to the goal line, uh, there were two plays I I thought that stuck out. But the one I'll highlight is Connor Bazelak's four-yard run uh, to the one-yard line. Uh, with 30 seconds left because I thought that showed tremendous composure. There was a number of throws and plays he made in that um, in that drive that showed composure and just the drive overall uh, to be able to go 75 yards like that in uh, a minute 30, a little more than a minute 30 is without a timeout is as impressive as it gets. Uh, so, he was he was composed overall, but it was that play specifically where he drops back. The play wasn't a designed run, but he recognizes the pocket uh, collapses and that the defenders have kind of over-pursued. And it was something he didn't do often on the night was uh, take the ball down and run or tuck the ball and run. Um, but he did it in this scenario, and it was the absolute perfect right decision uh, because it gets them down to the one-yard line and gives them options at that point where they can throw, where they can run. It makes the defense guess a little bit and obviously led to the touchdown. So huge composure, decision-making from Bazelak. I didn't think he really made any bad throws. The interception wasn't his fault. I mean, it literally went off the receiver's hands. We probably need to start stats. It Receivers should get interceptions for plays like that. Because that wasn't Bazelik's fault. He he threw the ball. It went literally through the receiver's hand. So I didn't think he made any bad throws. Didn't really make any bad decisions, which is not something I'm accustomed to when it comes to IU football. With IU football, I just kind of assume there's going to be a handful of bad decisions made by the quarterback each game, and you got to hope that the defense doesn't pounce on them and turn it into something a lot more costly. Bazelak is obviously one of the three players we're going to talk about. Spoiler alert, it's actually four players because I couldn't decide. Uh, So we will look at the three players of the game here in just a moment.
Bazelak was every bit of as impressive as he looked probably at times during his freshman season at Missouri. Uh, he obviously won the starting job. We didn't really talk about that. I th- we had guessed, hypothesized uh, that it was going to be Bazelak simply because you don't really transfer to a school without a pretty good sense that you're going to win the starting quarterback position. But you can tell he won the starting quarterback position because he was, with all due respect to Jack Tuttle, who is a great backup quarterback, I think that's what he his role is, is a backup quarterback because he Bazelak made throws that Jack Tuttle could not. There's just no way Tuttle's making those throws. Um, Bazelak looked tremendous. He has a huge arm, a ton of accuracy on it. You can tell that when him and the receivers get on more of the same page. They're going to be able to make a lot of big plays. Um, There were a number of throws that were just out of reach from being big plays as well. As we mentioned, Bazelak finishes 28 of 52, 330 yards with that touchdown and the interception. Uh, He ran for a couple yards. He, He finishes with negative three, but that accounts for sacks as well. So, um, Look, he was impressive, and he, I think he's very clearly the quarterback moving forward. There's no question about it, and that's what Tom Allen said. Whenever the starter is the starter, there won't be any swapping, and there won't be a dual quarterback system. When you put together a drive like he had to finish the game, it's signed, sealed, delivered. He's the quarterback the rest of the season, barring something catastrophic along the way. Uh because Jack Tuttle was not among those names I mentioned of guys that I thought could lead a drive like that to win a game. Overall, Bazak looked great. I'm excited for what the future holds for him. It is just one game, and I know he started out well in Missouri and it tailed off to the end, but uh, through one game in Indiana, he's brought that excitement and is a big reason why I have a lot of optimism now for this team uh, because the offensive line struggled. And we talked about that. We're going to talk about that later this week. But they were able to pass protect fairly decently. And if you give Bazelak time, he's a good enough quarterback to pick defenses apart. So pretty optimistic about that. Part of what makes him capable of picking defenses apart, though, is having good wide receivers. And IU had two really damn good wide receivers on Friday. Cam Camper, 11 catches, 156 yards. He was a monster Kind of came out of nowhere, but one of the guys, based on the reporting and the the quotes from fall camp, you knew would have a big say in things. Uh, He ended up being one of the starters with DJ Matthews, who also had a huge night, seven catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. So the two of them combined for 18 catches, 265 yards, and a score, 265 of the 330 yards Bazelik had. They were both really, really impressive in their own ways. Uh, DJ Matthews was the explosive player we needed him to be. Uh, Kim Camper had his own kind of big plays as well. So two really talented guys out wide that gives Bazelak some reliable targets. AJ Barner caught a couple passes too, uh, stepping in at tight end. Emory Simmons had two receptions. Javon Swinton had two receptions. Sean Shivers had a catch. And Donovan McCauley had a one-yard reception. So ultimately, 
Seven different guys make receptions. Uh, five of those were wide receivers. I didn't keep track to see if they played nine guys. Uh, they probably will next week with it, the opponent being Idaho. But strong start from Camper and DJ Matthews. Uh, we needed guys to step up at the wide receiver position. It was a completely, it was a complete mystery as to who was going to start, who was going to get a lot of the reps. Those two guys stepped up in that uh, position, much like Bazelak and our reason for optimism moving forward. We haven't talked a ton about the defense, especially individually. Again, that's something we're going to discuss. We have a whole week to build up to this Idaho game. We're going to talk about it later this week. You have to give a shout out to Cam Jones, though. Absolutely enormous. We said last week that you're not going to replace the production from Micah McFadden with any one player. But I thought you could replace a lot of the intangibles, the leadership, all of that with Cam Jones. That was 100% the case. He left with injury. We'll find out how serious that is. I'm recording this Sunday afternoon. Uh, we'll find out how serious it is Monday or Tuesday, depending on when the press conference is because of the holidays. But IU needed him on Friday. He led the team in tackles, had a tackle for loss and a sack. He was all over the place. It was Micah McFadden-esque with how all over the place he was. He recovered a fumble as well. IU absolutely needs him to be able to compete at a high level. Um, if there's any thoughts of a bowl game, they absolutely need him out there. And he was immense. He was all over the place. He was everything IU needed him to be in that middle linebacker position. If he's out there, I feel really good about this IU defense, which showed some flashes throughout the night of, uh, I guess flashes is probably a little harsh. There were long stretches where they looked really good. There were stretches where Chase Brown and Isaiah Williams diced him up, and there'll be some learning because of that. Uh, but ultimately... They made the stops when they need to. They got the turnovers when they needed to. And Cam Jones was at the center of a lot of that. We're going to talk throughout this week, as I said. I want to talk more about the defense because there's a number of guys we didn't mention. I want to talk about the offensive line and the run game and the complete lack of it. I also want to talk about Idaho a little bit. We'll have time throughout this week to do that. Uh, but the good news is, as I said... We do it all with a victory in our pocket. That was one of the toss-up games we had when we put these games into tiers. If IU's going to have any kind of thoughts about a bowl game, that one's going to be really, really important. They got to win these next two, Idaho and Western Kentucky, but you feel a lot better about those after this Illinois game. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back with you. No podcast on Tuesday because I record them on Monday night, so I'm going to be enjoying the holidays. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, so you'll have one day off. You can listen to this podcast a second time if you need to. We'll be back on Wednesday uh, to talk some more about IU football. Now for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview Podcast uh, for 2022. It's an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked on Bets, all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. 
Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave that quick rating and review. You guys know the deal. Go over to YouTube. Subscribe. Help us get to 500 before the start of college basketball season. Most importantly, though, guys, have a great Monday. Have a great Labor Day. And LEO.